Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... <coughs> I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days, so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Expose yourself. Show them what you're all about. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Expose Dragged Out. My name is Joseph Shepard, and each week we dive into the lives of the individuals who may or may not have been on a RuPaul's Drag Race franchise. We are opening up the UK gates. She is the first international franchise person that I have to be in a company in a company in the myth. And I am beyond excited to welcome from UK season one, Crystal. Break down those floodgates, baby. Oh. Burst open the dams. It's going to get real wet in here. Oh, oh, I sure <laughs> hope so. I mean, speaking of wet, you are a tanned bronze god, goddess. Yeah, I know. I need some cooling off. Right? <laughs> I mean, you're, first of all, your Palm Springs pictures. I was like, okay, body. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you, Barry's Boot Camp. Barry's not not sponsored. Not but, sponsored at all. But, but. feel free. <laughs> <laughs> do you do um, classes over in the UK too? Yeah, I have got totally addicted. And then, yeah, I'm doing a TV show in a little bit. So there's nothing like the threat of being on TV to make you get in shape. To make you get into shape. Uh-huh. Make you like put down the carb, put down the chocolate fatty, right? you know? Like, especially during like all like the past two years, all this like, COVID and uh-huh. everything, I got to the point where I think there was a time of like three months I didn't go to the gym. That's the longest I have been like in a row. And I was like, <sighs> I get it's so boring to say, but I get actually depressed if I don't exercise. I No, I believe it. Yeah. It's like endorphins and shit. <laughs> Watch me become a fitness influencer. <laughs> you know what? I'll do it. You should. You should. <laughs> it, out of drag. That is your new career. If I don't cry or bleed, I'll do it. <laughs> Sometimes even if I do. <laughs> I, I was researching you, I was looking into you. Is it true that your name was originally Crystal Beth? That is true, yes. So uh, I did drag for like, what, four years before I got on Drag Race and I went by Crystal Beth because I thought you had to have two names to do drag. I always wanted to be Crystal because of Crystal Connors from Showgirls and because I was working for a Crystal conglomerate at the time in sales and I was like, my drag was kind of like an escape from the corporate world and like kind of making fun of that world a bit. But yeah, I thought you had to have two names to do drag. So I was like, oh, okay, Crystal Beth, sure. And then when I got on the show, I was like, you know, this isn't really sitting with me. And we'd had Pearl, who was very successful as like a gemstone mononymed creature. I was like, okay, well, that could be me. I could just be Crystal. Plus it made me feel a bit weird to be like making fun of Crystal Meth when like I've never dabbled. Yeah. Maybe if I'd had like that, that experience in my past yeah. as something I'd struggled with, and like 
great reclaim but you know it's a serious topic and it's not something that i have like really any experience of um at least i don't think so but there are you know there's a few nights i can't remember (laughs) (laughs) uh so i was like okay let me be respectful like i'm gonna go for the single name it's gonna be Cher. it's gonna be pearl and um world of wonder were like are you sure you want to do that like you maybe just keep it i think you should keep it like no no no, i feel really strongly about this roll six months later out comes crystal method i'm like god (laughs) fucking damn it and that's not all since then we've also had a crystal versace Versace. who went and fucking won the show so um you know other people doing bigger things with my name but that's fine i'm still over here getting harder and harder to google (laughs) (laughs) i literally i told i told my boyfriend i was like oh i'm interviewing crystal and he was like which one? Uh, which one? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, just Crystal. Just Crystal. The number of times I get tagged in like Crystal Method stories. I'm like, oh, great. I'm in Missouri tonight. Lovely. <laughs> also, like, if you ever want to like have a moment where you're like, oh, let me just see what Reddit's saying about me. Can't do it. No. Which is probably for the best. Yeah. I mean, it is for the best. Reddit is yeah. the the biggest. Um, I will say that that causes depression. Reddit causes depression. (laughs) You have your not going to the gym causes depression. Uh Mine is Reddit. Reddit, sure. Fair enough. I get it. I get it. (laughs) So were you born in Canada? I was. Yeah, I grew up in Canada. I moved when I was uh, in my 20s to London. Wow. So you were in Canada for your whole life. Yeah, pretty much. How was that? Uh, I mean, Canada's great. It's beautiful. It's boring. Uh, the part of the world that I'm from is like kind of backwards a bit. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to get canceled. But like, w- we lived on a farm in the country, like an hour from the closest city, and it was like it was tough growing up gay there. Like, yeah. a lot of people don't make it out of there. But like, I always had a pretty clear trajectory because neither of my parents were from that part of the world. My mom's British. I kind of always knew there was something next for me outside of that place. Um, which is like a privilege for sure. Um, so then I moved to Montreal, which is like obviously a big city, lived there for four years. And then I wanted to just go make my fame and fortune in like the biggest city I could find. So went to London, took a while, we got there. You got there. Well, I I do want to know, you are, you've, you define yourself as non-binary, correct? I don't actually. You don't, so the no. internet's wrong. The internet is wrong. Can you believe it? Wow. <laughs> the internet was the wrong. Internet. What is Google? Stop the presses. I've got your, this, that's the headline for this. Oh, this. we're done. Yeah. We are done with this interview. She, <laughs> Crystal walks off set. <laughs> no, um, you know, the thing with non, I think there's a very good chance that if I were 10 years younger and like I had grown up in a different milieu of like gender expression that I might call myself non-binary, but I've just been a man my whole life who occasionally um, plays dress up and I'm pretty comfortable with that as well. You know, shout out to all of my non-binary peoples, but I disrespect you from afar. (laughs) (laughs) So what was your whole process like when it came to drag? Like, was there a moment or a pivotal thing that you saw that made you want to start? Yeah, there was. Uh, So when I lived in Montreal, I did a bit of boylesque and I was producing kind of like alternative burlesque shows. What's an alternative burlesque show? Well, it's kind of like what drag used to be, I guess. It's like burlesque had its heyday. 
I don't know if you're like old enough to remember that, but like, you know, Dita Von Teese had, and then every town had like alternative burlesque nights. And I think a lot of like, there's basically very little difference between that kind of burlesque and drag. It's basically yeah. in the same world. So I was kind of performing in those sorts of shows. I didn't do very much, just like, you know, a few shows in a year. And when I moved to London, I like really missed that. I kind of parked it for about five years. And then I was like, you know, I really miss performing. I'm going to like try and do another show. And I was like, I'm I'm going to produce this kind of like alternative cabaret show. It's going to have burlesque people. It's going to have circus artists. It's going to have drag artists. And I realized I was like deeply fascinated by the drag queens. And uh, my burlesque acts kind of morphed more and more into adding kind of that femininity to them as well. And I don't know, drag is one of those things that like if you dabble and you've got you've got any aptitude or you've got any like anything, any itch that needed scratching, if if you put your toe in that water, you're gonna be sucked in like right down to your head. And that's definitely what happened to me. It was like it just snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. And it wasn't something I was like, oh, I'm gonna become a drag queen. It's gonna be my career and that's gonna it just it just happened. Yeah, you got sucked down past the head. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's how I like it. <laughs> For anyone listening. <laughs> so your first performance, was that more in the burlesque area as a drag queen? Like, was that? Yeah, well, I guess my first performance, like when I was taking it seriously was, no, I was a boy. I did an aerial circus number <gasps> as a banker who transforms into a pig. It was, it was very political. We were. To, <gasps> this is the banking crash days, you okay. know. So it was, and it was obviously to Gaga's swine. That sounds beautiful. Yeah, and then I think from there I did like a blue diva fifth element, and that was kind of like androgynous. Obviously, incredibly bad makeup, just like blue paint sticks smeared all over my body, and hope for the best. <laughs> but yeah, it kind of like snowballed from there. Wow. Yeah. What would you say is I guess, like, what would you say drives you to both be masculine and feminine? Like, you present both energies extremely well. You have not, like, subdued to the shaving your armpits and going all of mm. that route. I know that when you were on um, UK, which we will talk about in a second, that that was a big topic, a conversation of you having your chest hair and stuff. What is it for you where you're, like, one and the other? You kind of, like, mix them both together. Yeah, I think I'm just expressing myself how I feel the best. I have shaved my chest in the past for drag. I, you know, there was a time when I thought, oh, maybe that's what I want to do, but it didn't feel like me. Yeah. I'm not particularly trying to do female impersonation. It's not something that I've ever really wanted with my drag. It's more about channeling some feminine energy that I was, you know, exposed to or interested in as a child and finding a way to bring that into me. But if, so if someone looks at me like this and sees a woman, I, I kind of feel like that's more on them than on me because there's nothing about like long blonde hair and a dress that inherently belongs to women. It's just what we've decided as a culture is exactly. feminine. So I don't even really like the term drag queen because I think it kind of implies female impersonation. And so I typically call myself a drag artist if I can. Oh, I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. It's like a combo. Yeah. You're in London. Mm-hmm. You end up on a little show. Mm. Oh, mm. RuPaul's Drag Race UK. This mm -hmm. is the first season of it. Mm -hmm. Had you applied? Like, what was, were you contacted? Like, what made you, like, push you to do it? 
Yeah, I think the application process was the same as in the US. It had been going for so long at that point. So yeah, everyone applied, had to do the video, all of that. I never thought I would get on because why would they put a Canadian on the first season of Drag Race UK? It doesn't didn't really make sense. But there you go. I got yeah. on. Who knows why? I was studying to become a hair and makeup artist for film and TV. So I was doing like an intensive course because obviously I'd, I had some makeup skills by that point, but I was kind of trying to upgrade my hair skills. And like, I was like, oh, this will be a great like side project to like balance against drag because I'd kind of left the corporate world. Drag was making me most of my money, but I was like, oh, I could do days on film sets and I can do makeup. That'd be really fun. So I'm like studying for that. And yeah, I had to leave class to go out and stand by the dumpsters and like receive the call that <laughs> blew my absolute mind, scream, and then go back in and just pretend nothing had happened. It was very, very bizarre. Very bizarre. Like, let me just keep putting this prosthetic scar on your face. Abs <laughs> nothing's wrong. Nothing's going on. There's no reason I'm shaking. It's fine. Yeah. And I mean, to to the same degree, I think about it in such a crazy way that this is the first season that the UK has. You were on it. Like you said, you're Canadian. Mm. And now you walk through that door. Do you remember walking through the door? Oh, yeah. Oh, it still makes me feel sick, actually. Really? Why? It was just like... It was so unknown. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe if you're in the US seasons now, you know, you work with so many people all the time that have been on the show, you're kind of soaking up all of their experiences all the time. Whereas in the UK, we were like kind of on our own. We had no idea what to expect. Um, I hadn't really worked with any drag race girls prior to the show. So I was really going in blind. and. And now looking back, I'm like, oh, I could totally, I could do that again. It would be totally fine. And like, it would, but I hadn't done TV. I didn't know what it felt like to have a camera pointed at me. It was all totally brand new. And like, I was in my thirties. So imagine being in your fucking twenties and doing that. Maybe you'd have like the confidence of youth. I don't know. But like, I felt incredibly unprepared and I was obviously, you know, on the older end of the scale of that season. So I don't know how, I don't know how people do it really. We should ask Scaredy Cat. Yeah. <laughs> I think she was a little bit afraid. <laughs> um, my, I guess one of the big questions that I have is that there are so many different franchises coming out mm -hmm. of Drag Race. And a lot of times now we have um, like Canada where Brooklyn Heights is hosting. We have, mm -hmm. you know, the Supreme hosting uh, Espana. You have people that are located actually in these countries. Mm -hmm. RuPaul comes into the UK. Mm. Do you feel like there was ever a missing translation piece to some of the um, differentiations mm. in drag? That's a good question. I think Ru and Michelle have such a like deep love and respect for British culture that they wanted to get it really right. Mm -hmm. That said, there is always something a bit corny when Americans come to the UK because they only see the like tourist side of things. And... I think that they have figured that out in later seasons, but I don't know. Maybe it's what made the show work because it was a perfect blend. It wasn't too American and it wasn't too British. And it it found kind of an in, an audience somewhere across the Atlantic that like could appeal to both. You've also got like Graham Norton yeah. and Alan Carr who are, you know, British comedy icons through and through. And I think they bring a lot of that kind of necessary wit and stupidity and the humor like yeah. it's a, yeah they they add that quite a bit i want to like go over your runways oh great 
I hate talking about me. Why do you hate talking <laughs> no, about me? I you? love oh, it. Okay, I was I like, love it. Oh. don't worry, it's um, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that your runways were great. I thought that they were phenomenal. I think that it Thank was- Thank you, me it too. Was, it was a- <laughs> It was a totally different vibe than what the other girls mm, were giving. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is what always played in my head. And especially your lip sync where you went home and it was the, you had the the mouthpiece and everything in. I didn't go home that one. I went home the oh, week the, the after. Following. Yeah, with yeah, the yeah, yeah. races, the the big uh, floral hat. Oh, gimp yes, suit. yes, you had the big, yeah. the big, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And then that was against the Vivian, right? Yeah, mm. correct. Mm. Um, yeah, I loved I loved getting ready for the runways for that. I, the thing that I always enjoy about drag is like coming up with the performances and the concepts. So it's the same way if you're if you're approaching like an, a performance you need to do, or if you're doing a runway, like someone gives you a brief or like a theme for a night, and you can take that and like put your spin on it. What I find harder and what I think is tricky about drag race is that you're often thrown into things where you don't have much time to prepare, and you're and I'm like a preparation queen. I'm a stunt queen. I like to have gags. I like to know what's coming. I like to know what I'm doing. And that isn't really like reality TV. Uh, what 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 reality TV is good at challenging you on. So I'm really glad that like the runways were there so that I had something that I felt like safe and comfortable in that I could really like sink my teeth into, so to speak. I want you to sink your teeth into your confessional look. Your dots under your eyes. Mm. Is it real? Is it tattoo? What's the, <laughs> what's the tea behind this? It's called makeup, Joseph. Oh I don't gosh. know if you've heard of it. I, I know I know you're sitting here looking at me. You're thinking, wow, that's like, full that natural is, beauty. Yes. But yeah, no, it's called makeup. And um, I applied it every morning. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Were you ever fair, afraid of like continuity or do you know exactly where to put it? I think it would have been funny if one day you like put it over here <laughs> or just like <laughs> move it slightly every day just to see how long I can get away with what it. Was, what was the other move? Was it Super Troopers, whatever, when the hat like is small, like it's like the sheriff's hat, small, <laughs> and it's bigger every single scene? Yes. That would have been. I should have done that. You should have done that. I should have. Missed opportunity. Next missed, time. Missed, missed opportunity. <laughs> um, you, you left in an episode that ended up becoming extremely big for the other three girls. Yeah. Yeah. When you guys were going over your breakup, bye bye, you're going over, uh -huh. you're writing your lyrics. When did you know <laughs> <laughs> that those other girls? Uh, you know what? I was fully delusional straight up until that scene where the three of us are watching them perform. I was like, oh, they did pretty good. I mean, do you remember that shot? Yes. Yeah, it weren't bad. Um, so yeah. you guys were actually watching. Yeah, we screen. were watching, okay. and they went after us. We came off. We were like, "Oh, that was really great." And then Vivian came off. Was like, "I fucked it, girls." I was like, "Oh fuck! If you fucked it, then what happened to me?" Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm here, like, "Oh, I think I might have done quite well there." Uh, no. Uh, that said, I also knew there was something going on because the cameras had come over to me while we were getting ready and they were like, so Crystal, do you want to talk about like any childhood bullying or like any traumas you want to get off, off your chest? I'm like, no, why? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm. I haven't even done the fucking challenge yet. Like, leave ask, me alone, you vultures. No. Ask, ask the Vivian yeah. her problems. Yeah. <laughs> They haven't, they don't do that quite so obviously anymore, but there was definitely a couple years where it was like, oh, sob story, mm -hmm. going home. And like, it happened in our season, like, I was like, vinegar, cried, cameras were there, something wrong, cameras are there, she's talking about trauma, she's talking about her family, she's gone. The cameras come to me, I'm like, uh-oh, 
<laughs> Do they see something I don't see? I haven't even done the challenge yet. <laughs> they just knew. They could they smell knew. it. It's well, I mean, I, I produce Latrice Manila's podcast and Latrice always says, you know when you know. Uh-huh. You literally sense it well, in the I atmosphere. Didn't know. I didn't I and like I didn't know until the cameras turned up. I was like, I'm gonna do great. I'm really I think my verse is fantastic. It's got lots of it's full of potential and charisma and energy. I mean, I've got the choreo down. Turns out, a bit dead behind the eyes. <laughs> and you know, that's what you don't see until you see the TV show. Yeah, we also saw the wig slowly go back. That was it during the lip sync. Yeah. That was a, oh, that was a tragedy. What was it like watching yourself back? Did you watch the whole season? Oh yeah, I loved it. Uh, I mean, you know what's coming, so it's fine. I thought, I think I was more afraid of like how I would come across than I needed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of my storyline for all of Drag Race is that I think I kind of held back because I was unsure about how I was going to be perceived. I was worried about the cameras and I was like really focused on doing well in the competition. And I kind of forgot I was there to make a TV show and kind of the competition is kind of second to that. So, uh, yeah, I guess I just watched it back and thought, oh, I wish I'd had more fun while I was there because I was stressed. Yeah. The one thing that I noticed about season one, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like all of you as queens were all extremely individual. Mm. Like, I feel like after the show, there probably would have been one or two. No one has ever called Cheryl Hole original. (laughs) Beyond original. (laughs) I I would love to know, did... Were you guys friends at all after? I feel like it was a very non-friend group of girls and that may just be me, but I feel like there was only probably a few that clicked. I feel like the Vivian was in her own world. Davina was in her whole world. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like it was all very spread out. Do you feel like you were more family or? I think that's true. And I think because we were only eight episodes, it was was pretty brief. Like, you know, you look at season 14 and they were there for... Well, that must have been in there for two months. And, you know, I was there for two weeks. So it was kind of like kind of like theater camp or something. Like when you're a kid, like, yeah, you make intense relationships during that period. But like they're not necessarily like life lasting. I don't know. I love all of those girls. And we have a group chat and we all talk all the time. And I can call any of them up if I need something or if I need, if I need advice. But, you know, I was in my 30s and like I kind of already had my friends sorted. So you're not in your 30s anymore. I'm still in my 30s. Okay. Yeah. But like, I I mean, more like, you know, we're talking back then. Yes. I was also in my 30s then. And, um, you know, again, maybe if I'd been in my early 20s, those relationships would have been like really a lot more intense. But she's grown, you know? She's grown. And you branched out. You end up on a show called Call Me Mother. Yes. You're back in your old stomping grounds yeah. of Canada. Yeah. How did that even come to be? I met someone from OutTV at DragCon UK. He had an idea for a TV show. And then I met with him when I was in Canada on a little tour. And then the pandemic happened and everything kind of got shelled and paused. I'm just, and then it kind of came back. I think it was a new, basically a new idea. And it changed a bunch since the pandemic. But, um, I think I'm also cheap to hire because I'm Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, it's because they always use Canadians. Tax credits. Yes, of course, of course, of course. That's why they brought Brooklyn Heights in. They're like, yeah. come back, Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. We need you. We need no, you. really, we need you. 
Yeah, I don't know. How does anything happen? Someone asked me and I said yes. And then it happened. And then it did, yeah. What was it like being on the reverse oh, and God. mentoring? What a, what a pleasure. It's just so nice to like judge other people for once, you know? <laughs> it's what I'm really good at. That, that's you in the bar standing yeah. in the corner and uh -huh, judging everybody? Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. I have a lot of opinions and um, it's nice to be asked them, you know? <laughs> and to be paid to give them. And then mentorship, I don't know, they were a gorgeous bunch. I didn't, I'm not like the, the warmest person. I wouldn't say I'm a natural like mother figure, but like having these three kids and like wanting them to succeed, I really found, I found that within me and it was really, really satisfying. If you're not familiar with the show, it's kind of like if the voice were with drag queens. So we adopt different artists into our house and then our houses all battle and um, the bottom house each week has to send one of their kids home. So it's like a real, it's quite an emotional series. It's got a lot of heart and it's full of diversity as well, which I think is really special and important. You know, we've got drag kings, we've got non-binary artists. That's so not just drag queens. It's something fresh that we haven't necessarily seen before, so. Yeah, and it's done in a different way and, and also like giving light to the Canadian queens mm -hmm. in, a, in a way that season two couldn't have done on Canada's yeah. Drag Race. <laughs> Poor girls. Oh. I was like, ooh. I um, also think it's important to have shows that are for kind of up and coming or, mm. or for artists that are starting out because Drag Race is kind of like you're expected to be at the pinnacle when you get on the show. Uh, it's not really a place to grow and learn and definitely like I learned so much on the show, but ideally you go on Drag Race to like show all of your best. And if you're going on there to learn, you're probably not gonna win, which is definitely what happened with me. So it's nice to have a place that like is encouraging people to learn, mentor, mentoring them, like not expecting extreme polish or precision or professionalism. Like we're, we're there to help them learn as artists rather than expect like this fully realized creature. And you're coming back for season two. Yeah, is that exciting? It's super exciting. Yeah. Were you Were you ever nervous that a, a second season would happen? Uh, yeah. I mean, of course. But I had a good feeling, and I think that they know that for something to build a bit of traction, you've got to give it. Got to give, give, give it a chance. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be Netflix and cancel everything after three episodes. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so you are um, being a mentor. You are still a drag artist. My, where do you see yourself? Like, what is coming up for you? Is there something that you are excited for? Like, do you have a career trajectory you would like to follow? I'm still loving just like dipping my toes in all of the different ponds or uh, to mix a metaphor, fingers in all the pies. Um, it's really fun. It's fun being able to like keep touring. You know, I've been in California for about four weeks doing shows. It's been amazing. I produce my own shows in the UK. I've got two different nights that I run, which I love doing. And, you know, I've got this TV stuff. I do a podcast. I don't know. I'm going to keep throwing stuff at the wall. And as long as it keeps sticking, sticking I'm just yeah. going to keep doing it. And it's, I get bored if I'm just doing one thing. So uh, hopefully I can just keep being, um, crystal of all trades yeah so you've done drag in canada mm -hmm. the uk mm -hmm. you've had about a month stint here in cali yeah what is the differentiation in drag do you see a differentiation or do you feel like it's slowly like merging together um in terms of aesthetics uh no i think it's pretty similar like drag race has had this kind of 
uh, unifying effect across the world, I think. But in terms of performance, it's crazy here how like tipping affects the entire scene. And like, we don't have tips in the UK. So, um, you know, you spend the entire number focused on giving your performance. performance. Uh-huh. And here you have to spend half your number thinking about where the money is and getting it. So it's it's a really different skill set. Like you have to learn how to clock a 20 at, at like 50 <laughs> paces. I see it. Um, and but like you also have to build in time in your number for like this is when I'm gonna take the tips and that's like a whole new thing for me. So I've had to like make extended mixes of all my tracks and figure out how to make that work. I think it can be detrimental as well because you know you're worried more about tips than necessarily the performance. Um, but I've definitely seen queens turn it. It's just you know sometimes you see someone's second number and they're just they're just walking around and taking tips and um, I want more from drag. Yeah, than that. I also think like as an audience member, I I always tip the girls, but the issue that I have is when I want to give money mm-hmm. and then they don't take the money or they uh-huh. can't see me uh-huh. and then I'm like in my head it's like, well, now where's this dollar or where is this five or whatever go? Like it just goes back in my pocket. Uh-huh. Like I would just rather a communal bucket and I just throw stuff in it and Uh-huh. I would love if someone would follow me with a bucket during my performance you just have a little assistant go-go boy and they could ju- and the tips could go in there like right behind me I can give you like a little bit of interaction yeah. I can give you a moment but I don't have to worry about lip syncing and taking yeah, and like yeah. where am I going to put it it's just it's just a lot um, also like the first show that I did was in San Francisco and it was a burlesque show and so they said you know the girls are they're burlesque artists are not drag queens so they're not going to take the tips from you you have to throw them on stage and so it meant that I spent that first number I had everyone just through the tips, which was fantastic because I didn't have to worry about that side of things and I still got paid at the end. Um, So maybe we just need to encourage more like roll into a ball and throw. So we should have a like a tip fight, like a Uh a food fight, but a tip fight. Uh And then you could, yeah, and then you could start doing things like target practice. Yes. You could like, if you've got a queen with like a really baggy asshole, she could just spread that, like see if you can get them in. See, now you came up with the whole thing. You could have a, a fake basketball goal in the back and people are just throwing their tips to try to make it. And it's a game. I'll just spread them. I'll... <laughs> um, I always ask everybody, what do you think the biggest misconception is of yourself? Of myself? Yes. Oh, God. Do you feel like you were interpreted or portrayed a different way? Or do you feel like people come up to you and say one thing, but that's not how you are? Is there anything that... Hmm. I'm trying to think of something that isn't just like super glib because I think I probably come off a bit of a standoffish bitch, but um, that is because I am like a definite introvert by nature. And like I love to perform and like give people that show but like I'm not necessarily the chatty girl backstage um, and I think that that can read like like you're a bitch but it's just because I'm like a quiet little nerd really isn't that, isn't that frustrating yeah I always think about that I'm like why is my quietness your problem yeah. <laughs> or like why am I the bitch yeah. for it like that's yeah. just me I'm not asking you to change yeah. you know unless I'm drunk and then I'm are you loud when I'm, you're drunk yeah then I'm a good time oh <laughs> what's your drink of choice ooh a vodka tonic because it makes me feel like a old rich white lady who's like bitter on the coast of Maine. So if you are going to a crystal show, buy her a vodka tonic and then put the dollar bills attached to the drink and just give it. There you go. (laughs) Oh my God. I heard about a number that Sharon Needles used to do where she would take bills 
and then take someone's drink from the audience and blend them and drink it. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those, okay. I, wow. Right? Those days, A though, slurry. Of, of Sharon Needles and, like, Alaska, like, did you ever see those performances? Mm, no. If you go on YouTube, there is butts, there's penises, yeah, there's but that, everything. That is my shit. I love yeah. that. So I guess as we are slowly wrapping this all out, my I l- always ask queens to expose something that happened on Drag Race that either happened behind the scenes that was either good, bad, negative, I don't care what it is, but you wish would have been shown on camera. Oh. Hmm. God, it's so long ago. Right? I've done so many drugs since then. <laughs> Especially uh, Matt. <laughs> Especially <laughs> Matt. I don't know. All I can think of are really shady things or things that are going to get me canceled by World of Wonder. I'm like, where's this? Where's the middle ground of like, I was going to say like Bagger's, uh, Bagger's runway for the sewing challenge was much even worse than it looked on TV, but I think it looked pretty bad on TV. Joseph, I'm sorry. I think you got a good picture on Drag Race UK. I don't think there were lies. I think, I think you saw you saw the good bits. And like, Drag Race is really good at showing you all the good stuff. Were you sequestered? Yeah. In the hotel room. Yeah. What was the hardest part about that? Oh my god. Uh, truthfully, just like not being able to speak to my friends and my husband while I was there, like going through the most intense experience of your life and being like, all I can do is write in this little journal. Um, Did you write in a journal? Yeah. Do you still have it? Yeah. When was the last time you looked at it? Uh, I moved like a year ago and I found it and looked at it then. Yeah. I'll tell you, okay, I've got something, I've got some backstage tea for you. (laughs) So obviously you've got no phone, you've got no internet. Um, I'm gonna expose these two queens. (laughs) Um, Something Wong came to the hotel with a DVD player and a bunch of fucking porno DVDs. (laughs) Which she plugged into the hotel TV. But if that weren't bad enough, Vinegar Strokes found out about this. So at the end of filming day, something Wong would go back to her hotel room and then in 30 minutes, she would put the thing under the door to get the runner to come and the poor runner would have to take the DVD player and DVDs down to fucking Vinegar Strokes room. And this poor little 18-year-old posh British girl, like, carrying these, like, wishing she could, like, bleach her fucking hands off, taking, I don't know, cum-guzzling dick pigs, one, two, and three, back back up and down the Holiday Inn. There. It's the, it was the sisterhood of the traveling pornos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they are filthy and they are shameless, which is why I know they wouldn't mind me telling this story. That is hilarious. <laughs> so gross. Oh my goodness. Well, but you know, desperate times. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Uh-huh. And um, the desperate measure that we have right now is we're about to have to close out this podcast because it's time to go. Um, it's not the first time I've been called desperate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what is new for you? Where can people find you, see you, uh, plug yourself, plug everything you want to right now? Yeah, just um, go give my socials some love. Go watch Call Me Mother and um, book me on Cameo. Those are the ways you can support me. Oh, 
cameo. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So if you're listening or watching right now, um, I would love if you comment in the comment section below what your favorite part of this interview is. I will gift you a cameo from Crystal. Oh. So um, that is lower a, your expectations. Right lower now. your expectations. <laughs> you can have her say happy birthday to you. You can have her tell you that you need to get up and go to the gym. You can have her say whatever you want. I'll always flash a titty as well. Happy to. Ooh. Or smell an armpit. Mm. A scratch and sniff cameos are now coming your way. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Crystal, for being here. Thank you for having chatting. me. It was fun. So much fun. You're about to go perform at Mickey's. I am. How, how are you wait. excited? I'm so stoked. I was there last week and it was so fun. So <sighs> glad to be back. So glad that you're here in LA. Um, make sure to check out Crystal on all the socials at Crystal, we'll see you now on most good platforms and a couple bad ones. <laughs> and I'm Joseph Shepard. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, all of that lovely good stuff at Joseph A. Shepard. Um, until next time, I will see you. This has been Exposed Dragged Out. We're going to dance our way away. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Expose yourself. Ooh.